0: Hello and welcome to the Locked On Leafs podcast, your one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, also known as Al's brother from TSN's Overdrive. Hit me up on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show as well at Locked On Leafs. And if you like what you hear today, please consider subscribing to the podcast on your favorite podcast podcast. Catcher, whatever it is, uh, leave a rating and review as well. That would be fantastic. Uh, Today, I'm going to be joined by Dave Morissuti, friend of the show from Sportsnet. Dave, how are you, pal? I'm not doing too bad, Mike. How How are things with you? Eh, I want things to happen. The NHL has been really slow. Like, I'm seeing all this stuff... You know, at least even in the NFL, although there is not, like, big moves and trades and stuff, obviously, because now they're past the deadline, there's still news, there's big stuff happening, rescheduling, COVID is turning, you know, everything into a big uh, shitstorm, and I just wish that the NHL kind of had some more bigger headlines Uh, Than what's been going on, I understand there's obviously some news about how the NHL could potentially enter into a lockout, perhaps, and we'll talk about that a little bit today. Uh, A couple other things that we'll be discussing on the show, Uh, some World Juniors updates, and it seems like the Rangers aren't going to be releasing uh, Alexi Lafreniere to Team Canada, so we'll discuss that. Uh, Nick Robertson, uh, his status for the World Juniors is also going to be up in the air. I'll tell you all about that as well. But pretty much, uh, yeah, we're just going to get right into it about this World Juniors conversation. Um, so Alexi Lafreniere, not going to be with Team Canada after dominating the tournament last year. He was the number one pick by the Rangers this past draft, just a couple of months ago. And they want him to just keep training, so they're not going to release him to Team Canada. What are your thoughts on that, Dave?
1: I, I get where the Rangers are going with wanting to keep him kind of in their, in their kind of facilities and working with them. But the guy has not played hockey for a really long time. You know, I understand that the quality of competition in the juniors and the NHL aren't the same, but considering games will likely happen before the NHL kicks off. And if NHL teams think that the uh, that things are going to kick off in early January, I think we're dreaming at this point.
0: <laughs> yeah, but, I think so too.
1: Like he, the games start uh, on Christmas Day; they're going to finish well, probably close to New Year's time. What's the harm in him getting some games in? I understand the risk of injuries are there. I mean, he did get hurt last year, but he was still able to play. I, I think, I think you need to give these guys. The big thing is they need to they need to play, they need to play, and not having them at this tournament I think hurts them.
0: Uh, it, it, yeah, obviously it hurts him. I think he would have been the the number one player in the tournament uh, last year as a draft eligible prospect. He was tournament MVP, and I think he would have just possibly broke records this year with Team Canada, and I think that it's going to be a strong World Junior class because you're going to see a lot of these guys who either were drafted last year who uh, are going to be loaned out, like an know Kirby Doc, it looks like he's going to be allowed to play. He's been at camp at least for Chicago. Seems like they're going to allow him to play. The Leafs, Nick Robertson has been at the the U.S. camp. He's been invited, uh, and there is some news there, but Jack Hughes, another guy, who was a number one overall pick last year and is eligible to come back and to play in the World Juniors, but it's not looking like he's going to play either. Jack Hughes, though, is this somebody who you uh, were a little curious that didn't get to play either because he hasn't played hockey since, what, March himself, and he didn't have the greatest season. And I feel like in, in a year in which the Devils really need him to develop, uh, that would have been a good opportunity for him to go and play some really strong hockey and kind of try and regain his confidence again going into a, his second NHL season.
1: Yeah, I mean, between Lafreniere and Hughes, I, I think the argument for Hughes to play may be a little higher based on him not performing well last year. And, I mean, I read what, uh, what Fitzgerald, the uh, Devils GM, said they want him to focus on the NHL season. It just seems like NHL GMs don't value the experience of the World Juniors as much when the prospect is pretty much ready to play in the NHL. It's almost like if the prospect is kind of in between, they'll send them. I, I think Hughes I mean, again; he's another one that needs to play. He's someone that you know struggled against NHL players because, let's face it, he wasn't. You know, his his game is built on skill. I get that, but his size made it a little tough for him to make that adjustment. You know, he didn't go last year either. So, you know, it's not like the World Juniors harmed his play last year because he didn't go. Yeah. So I, I I don't get it when games aren't happening. I guess maybe the Devils just feel like they just really want him to focus on the season. Again, I get that. They're paying him to... Know he's under contract with them. They have no right. They have no obligation to send him to the juniors. It's more so if the if you know the team feels like it's a good experience for him, they will send him. And I guess they just feel like it just wasn't worth it.
0: And, And I don't know why it's such like so open shut. And I think the 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 difference here, and this is the lead into a Nick Robertson conversation, is if they end up having to go up to Canada, right? because right now Lafreniere is down in New York, isn't he? Is that, is that where he's being stationed yeah. right now? Jack Hughes, same thing, down in the States. In order to come up to Canada, they're going to have to leave two weeks ahead of time when you know the rest of the teams get in there because they got to quarantine for two weeks before they can start playing. And I think taking away those two weeks is something that both of the GMs and organizations didn't want them to do. Like They, they want them on the ice for those two weeks and not worried about it. So I think that the the quarantining the fact that it's in Canada is something that is definitely in play here and this is how I'm you know going to kind of transition into Nick Robertson because Robertson however is in Canada and he won't have to do the quarantining if he ends up having to go and he makes the team plays in Edmonton and then just comes back to Toronto to play he'll be able to play right away because it didn't go cross-country. Whereas these other two, if they go back to the States, they've gone, you know, cross-country travel. They'll have to quarantine again and then have to miss even more time on the other side when that's going to be the the, the time where these teams are getting ready to go to start the season.
1: Yeah, I I do get that because especially uh, I know the U.S. is holding their camps in Plymouth. I believe that's where the U.S. uh, has like their base of operations. So Like if any, I mean, players like, actually, I just realized Robertson would have to cross the border into Michigan, play there, then come back to Canada. So I don't know if that would make a loophole for that.
0: Well, he'd be there. He'd be there for just training. And then when he comes back over. So I mean, but all teams are going to have to quarantine once they get to Canada. I'm pretty sure. Like even everyone, you know, everybody coming in from Finland and coming in from the U.S. So that 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 doesn't really matter. It's when they cross back over after the season's done, where Robertson won't have to do that cross back over. He'll just have to skirt down to here to Toronto, and then he's playing in Canada the whole year, assuming that we get these Canadian divisions, and won't have to worry about that quarantine post uh, World Junior Tournament.
1: Yeah, I get that now. Now I now I see where you're going with that, and I know it's it's certainly like two weeks is not nothing, right? This is two weeks of the guy sitting at home, not doing anything, right? Yeah. So I, I get that part as well. Um, you know, Robertson obviously would have the advantage. Um, I doubt Sanderson, like you know, with the Sens, I doubt he's gonna be going to Ottawa right after. <laughs> right after the World juniors? I mean, no. he could spend training camp, some time in training camp.
0: I think but. I think so like the difference when you're talking about some other guys like Sanderson you get to these prospects who are a little bit a ways away from the NHL I don't think that he he's gonna be sniffing the NHL this year so it, it doesn't make sense to keep him from going to the world Juniors where guys like Jack Hughes Lafreniere, Capo Kako, also from Finland not going to be loaned out uh, by the Rangers as well and and Nick Robertson players like that they got a shot to actually play in the show so Keeping them away from NHL training camp and, you know, locking them up for two weeks post the tournament is a little bit detrimental to their team and to their clubs. Where a guy like Jake Sanderson, it doesn't really matter if he has to take a couple of weeks of quarantine because, you know, it's, it's not going to hurt his development because he's not within, you know, he's not going to be in the NHL. It's not going to be hurting the team.
1: Yeah. I, okay. Yeah. And, and. Yeah, like teams, teams think of these things a lot more than we do, right? We just think of, <laughs> oh, we want to see hundred percent. Let Alex Lefrenier play. We don't. We want, like, as Leafs fans, over the holidays, when the Leafs are. I mean, the Leafs do play, but with all eyes on the World Juniors, you want to see your guy, you know, at the tournament, right? And so, I I, I do get both sides of the argument, Um and I think. Ultimately, you have this—the team's call, right? Guys are under contract. It's up to the right. I know that uh, Tim Stutzel is going to play for yeah. Germany. I know he's—he was a bit of a question mark with this hand injury, but he's—he's uh, going to play. There are going to be some good players. I mean, I—it's still going to be—it's this tournament out of all years. I think this is the year that everyone, you know, has only that—that ho- that to watch. Like hockey fans can only watch the World Juniors during this time. So. As long as everything is safe, that's the other thing going mm-hmm. on with tournament
0: right now. Well, there was a conversation uh, that I was having with a, a friend of mine, uh, Bird Bird Bouchard, and he does the Locked On NHL Hockey Investing podcast with me. Um, which we're actually going to be doing one this weekend. So if you are interested, make sure you subscribe to the Locked On NHL podcast. And I believe Friday or uh, Saturday, I believe Saturday, we're going to be releasing that the uh, December special. But uh, we were having a conversation about whether or not he didn't think that the World Juniors was even going to go on. But I think because it is going to be a bubbled tournament, we've seen bubbles work in the past, and once everybody gets in there and uh, quarantines and, and you know kind of wait out the possible pro- problems that corona could arise within uh, a sporting event, I think that they're going to be okay. They'll be able to, to go forward and, and finish off this tournament and do it without a hitch, despite the rising numbers all around the world it's the built bar's newest product built go makes you the best you at whatever you do break through a wall whether it's mental or a physical wall break through it with go every day it's easy to take in one and a half ounce packages Put it in your briefcase for the most focused presentation ever, your golf bag to power you through the back nine, or put it in your pocket to get you through the day. Built Go is the best workout gel on the market. It's five-hour energy without the same crash feeling. Plus, it's natural, so it's better for the body. It's like drinking a monster drink with a third of the caffeine and better results. It's got three delicious flavors. You can get either peanut butter honey, chocolate coconut, or chocolate mint. How's the Built Go work so well? Well, let me tell you, the Built Go combined Energy gel with collagen protein. And the collagen protein is fast absorbing, so it gets into the system fast. Plus, it's easy on the stomach. Collagen promotes joint, soft tissue, hair, and skin health. This stuff literally makes you look better. Visit BilkGo.com and use the promo code locked and you can get twenty percent off your next order. Use promo code locked for twenty percent off BilkGo.com. Let's go. To quickly talk about Nick Robertson, because I think up until today, there was pretty much it was an understanding that he was going to be on Team USA. And Darren Dreger of TSN actually came out and said that's not necessarily going to be the case. And apparently, if the NHL season starts ahead of time, before the World Juniors finishes, the Leafs may not allow him to go and are going to keep him around uh, for, for NHL training camp. Do you agree with that decision?
1: Well, the thing with Robertson is that, I mean, we were we were debating with all the moves they made, you know, he's, he's going to be battling for a spot in camp. Like, there's no guaranteed spot for him. No. So I don't see why you wouldn't want, you know... He did pretty well at the tournament last year. I don't see the reason why you don't let him play. You know, he's there might be times this season where he's going to be stuck, right? Not playing because I don't see him going back to juniors. You know, he's proven all he needs to prove in the OHL. He's going to probably be playing the NHL, but they're going to be limiting his playing time. So why not get him playing at the World Juniors? And then when he comes, when this NHL season comes around, you know he's at least had some games under his belt, so he's not rusted. You know, rusty if he has to sit at the start of the season.
0: Yeah, and to me, like you said, he's not a staple in this lineup. Like I don't think he's guaranteed anything, even if a, a fourth line wing position. I don't think he's guaranteed to make this team. You know, so uh, to me, at least give him those competitive games at the World Junior Championships, allow him to play solid, uh, competitive hockey, uh, as opposed to just. Coming in and, and doing camp battles, like you got to assume that that's got to be better playing real games of hockey that matter uh, than it would be to come and, and just do training camp. Like, this is where I don't understand it from the least perspective because even if he does make the team. I don't know if he's going to be playing every night. It might be a, a position where they're, you know, it's matchup-based. If they need somebody who's a little more grittier and, and, and sturdier and, and a bigger body, then maybe they put in a guy like Pierre Engvall. And then if they're looking for some more skilled position players, then that's a, a game where they put in Nick Robertson, if he even makes the team, that is. And, and if you're not so certain that he's going to be playing every single night for you, why would you take this opportunity away from him?
1: Exactly. Like we've have we haven't heard anyone from the Leafs say we expect
0: Nick Robertson to play a big part in this season, right? No, like I don't think anybody does. I think he's going to have an opportunity to showcase himself based on yeah. the showcase that he showed us in the playoffs, but as 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 okay as he played, considering that technically last year was his draft year and he did play relatively well for a 19 year old in the league. I don't think he showed anything to say that he's an every night NHL or right now, unless he took this massive leap after not playing hockey for the last like four months, which I doubt, but no. you know, I don't, I don't see him as a staple on this team this season in the future. Sure. But right now I just don't see it. I don't see it either.
1: Like, The Leafs added quite a few players and veteran guys that, you know, I look at Jimmy VC, I look at Wayne Simmons. I look at Joe Thornton. uh, Barabanov is one that people forget quite often. Barabanov, you still have Spetsa, You still have Kerfoot. um, Engvall. Engvall, yeah. And Engvall seems like a guy that's kind of flip-flop in and out of the lineup for me at this point. Like, there are guys that are going to be coming in like Barabanov, as you said, he's not coming over from Russia just to maybe play in the NHL. No, he wants like they, they saw great potential in him. I know it's been a while since we've really heard and seen anything from him, but that's enough that's a guy that you expect will will be playing quite often. I mean, a guy like Igor Korshkov, I don't know if he's gonna stay in the KHL for the rest of the year. I'm assuming he's coming back. You know, he's a guy I want to see get an opportunity because he's he brings a different element. You know, there's there's guys that are gonna gonna be pushing for 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 playing time, and that's that's a good thing for Robertson because if he does make the team, it means that he was better than a lot of them. But why not give him an advantage of having some games under his belt before training camp, before the season starts?
0: Yeah, and I, I also think that you're just gonna get a better idea of how he's gonna play in real game scenarios as opposed to in training camp exactly so doesn't make sense to me to to keep him here regardless if the nhl starts back up or not i think that he would definitely be uh he would get a a larger benefit from playing in this tournament than he would be playing uh just putting around in at least training camp really but We'll see what happens. Uh, I'm going to... We actually have a a special guest. I think that this one's going to go out on Monday. We're having uh, Mark Masters is going to be on the show on Monday, and he's going to go over and kind of do a World Juniors preview and discuss some of the least prospects that are going to be there, some of Canada's top prospects, and obviously we'll get his thoughts on this whole uh, Lafreniere not playing scenario either. Uh, But uh, before we move on and and, and talk about... um, These outdoor games that could potentially be occurring. Uh, I do want to tell you guys all about one of today's show sponsors, and that's the Built Bar. I got to tell you guys about Built Bar. It's the best tasting protein bar ever, and the new and improved Built Bar is even more delicious. They've got 18 amazing flavors and six brand new flavors that you want to check out. My favorite, Cookies and Cream. It is fantastic. But they also got Caramel Brownie, Cherry Barsia, Care Cake, Apple, Almond Crisp. And that goes along with the other 12 original flavors. And we already know how much I love myself. My Peanut Butter Brownie. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. And best of all, the Built Bar is healthy, folks. Built Bar is great for the health-conscious guy or gal who's looking to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, great for the keto diet. Let me tell you a little bit about the Peanut Butter Bar. It's got 19 grams of protein, just 180 calories, just 5 grams of sugar, and only 5 grams of net carbs. I'm telling you. These bars are healthy. They're delicious. They're amazing. You just got to go to builtbar.com, use the promo code locked on, and you'll receive 20% off your next order. Use the promo code locked on at builtbar.com. Welcome back to the Locked On Lease Podcast. Mike DiStefano with you. Alongside with me, we have Dave Morissuti from Sportsnet. And Dave, not sure if you saw this latest report because both uh, Elliot Friedman and Pierre LeBrun reporting that. There's a bunch of teams that have inquired about potentially playing a bunch of outdoor games this season uh, just to try and get butts in the seats and try and generate some sort of gate revenue. What do you make of all this? Because some of the teams that I hear are looking into it, L.A., Anaheim, doesn't make sense to me. How are you going to play outdoor games in L.A. and Anaheim in, like, April or or March? It just feels like it's going to be a, a real pain.
1: Oh, I mean, we we've we've seen how those games have performed when the weather when it's, you know, when they're doing just the the winter classic or, you know, stadium series.
0: Well, they had that game in what Dallas last year in like February. Well, the one at um
1: yeah, at the at the Cotton at the Cotton Bowl. I think that's the stadium they had it. Yeah. Like these games work because of the atmosphere and it's an event. Doing an outdoor game just for the sake of doing an outdoor game, that's good. like we talk about costs and how much games like this season is gonna cost because of testing and you know different measures they're gonna have to take for safety. Outdoor games ain't cheap, no. especially in warmer climates where you have to really keep the rink in a certain condition so you can play hockey, because hockey is not really meant for warm climates.
0: Which is why I thought it was interesting when I saw teams like L.A. and Anaheim and Nashville that were reportedly, you know, making inquirings about this. I, I don't. It doesn't make that much sense to me. The Maple Leafs, however, makes a tiny bit of sense because it is a much cooler climate up here in the Great White North, and I think that you know you you, you set up a rank down at BMO. I mean. A TFC's not playing right now. They're they're done for the year, and odds are they're not going to be able to do much more cross-border traveling anyways next year either, so they'll probably have to set up shop down in, in the U.S. once again next year. Uh, I forget where they were. this. I think they were in Connecticut. They'll probably have to do the same thing. So that kind of leaves BMO Field open. Set up a little rink out there, and then at least Maybe Toronto could play some games uh, outdoors and, and have some fans in the stands. You and I could go and watch the Leafs play. Like I, I feel like that may be a scenario that could potentially work out. I hey, if there's a game outdoors, I would go. I mean, I know
1: there's there's talks about you know not having fans for help for health and safety. I totally get that, but you know we we have seen in the NFL that they've had fans in a controlled environment. It does work. I know the Canadian government isn't going to be as quick to jump at the chance to have fans at sporting events, but it's, it would be a good test because outdoors there's a least likelihood of transmission for the virus. As I've heard from other epidemiologists say, I would, I would go as long as I knew that health and safety, uh, was being taken seriously. Wearing a mask outdoors is not as bad as wearing them inside. So I wouldn't have a problem if that's what it took to go and watch a hockey game. I would do it in BMO Field. Unlike other outdoor ranks, it's a lot closer to the field Mm -hmm. of play.
0: Exactly. I think it'd be pretty well set up to watch a hockey game there. Absolutely. What would you pay? to go and watch a Leafs game down at BMO Field right now, knowing that it's only like 20-25% capacity, you know that these tickets will not be cheap what would you pay though to do it? and I'm not saying what would you because obviously neither you or I could probably even afford to go out to a game at the prices they're going to be, but what do you think is a, a, a price that the Leafs would be able to charge and people will be willing to pay it like these hardcore Leafs fans
1: Oh, I mean, you already know, like, I'm just trying to think back. I went to this, I went to the Centennial Classic. I'm trying to remember how much. It was not a cheap game. Like, it's a few hundred dollars just to get in. Mm -hmm. I already know that's going to be the start, a few hundred dollars. There's no way you're going on, unless for some reason uh, they're trying their best to get butts in the seats, but they know it's a premium. You're going to be paying a premium price. I think it's going to start at a couple hundred dollars.
0: Just to get in the building <laughs> dude that's the, there's no Just way the that it's gonna be that cheap there's no way it's gonna be that cheap because you look at the maple like it, it cost uh, almost a couple hundred bucks to get a, uh, a seat down at scotia bank arena like if you're paying you know face value of a ticket it's gonna cost you two three hundred dollars for a ticket down at, at sba you're going to tell me that an outdoor seat where only 20 percent of the traditional capacity will be able to filter into that place that they're not going to be able to charge way more. like I'm thinking five six hundred dollars per seat
1: i I first thing the, my the issue with that though, I understand there will be a demand that the NA, it would not look on the good on the NHL if they did that though. but if Dave, the only so but far, Dave,
0: how- the only reason why they're doing this is to try and offset the gate revenue that they're losing out. So if they're not at least making good enough money off of these ticket sales, then there's no point in them going through all this trouble to try and, and create a rank atmosphere down at BMO. It's got to be worth it for them financially.
1: I do get that. At $500, that's a steep steep price I mean
0: if it was like Buffalo or or like Columbus I could see that being a steep price but like Toronto's the cream of the crop when it comes to hockey and there's gonna be like everyone down on Bay Street is going to be lining up saying shut up and take my money just to watch these these games play like to, to, to be at a covid game like that that's gonna be the hottest ticket in town you could scalp that for probably over for for double that price
1: a grand, Ooh, man. Uh, I, unfortunately you won't see me dropping that. Cause that's a vacation that I will likely save up. Oh, for hundred yeah, me, happening. Me. Um, but yeah, no, I look, I, I've seen the prices on stub hub to go to a regular season leafs game when it's like the Florida Panthers in town. So yes, a couple hundred dollars you're spending just to get in Scotiabank. So it wouldn't surprise me if Leafs fans spend, spend $500. It would not surprise me. Yeah. Um, It would not I I just know that they would there would be some question marks about the price if that were to be the case, just because, you know, people have already discussed how expensive it is to go to a Leafs game. So to further that. They got to think of that that spinoff, too. Hey, if it's three hundred dollars, I think that's that would be something I would consider it. would. It's a steep price, but at least I know, look, it's going to cost a lot. And I think $300 for a, a, just to get in BMO, I ain't the least wouldn't complain about that price.
0: I hate to tell you, Dave, but I don't think. Uh... You're the demographic they're looking to when it comes to buying these tickets. Though I think they're they're just going to be pretty much sending an internal memo to everybody who's got a bankroll of seven figures down at uh, down on Bay Street, and they're just going to buy up all the tickets. I mean, they can only fit in twenty percent, and I don't even know how many people you can fit down at BMO. You go to a bunch of Arco's games. How many people can you fit down there? Do you know?
1: Uh, for so, okay, you can get. Easily twenty five thousand with the current configuration. You can up it if you add in the temporary bleachers, probably between thirty five to forty thousand. You know, you can get. I think you can get thirty when you, if you do it a certain way, a certain configuration. So if you're thinking of a limited number, I think you're going to between
0: six you know, and seventy five hundred people.
1: Yeah, that's that was the number I would put. And that's, you know, you have the big uh, because BMO is really because of the addition, the permanent addition they made on the east side of the stadium up top that that you can fill quite a few people. I know at some NFL stadiums, they don't have the upper bowls open. I think it's just the lower bowls. Um, But, yeah, I would say that if you're if you're doing it, you're going to do it for at least six thousand people. That's that has to be the minimum.
0: Yeah. And again, I I I just can't help but feel there's definitely six thousand bodies in this city that would be willing to pay five hundred dollars to watch the Maple Leafs play after not being able to watch them since March. Like the it's just there's so many diehards. And and you want to talk about a, a, a city that relies on on business and stuff like Toronto. Like this is such a, a, a business heavy city. I mean imagine being able to bring a client to a, an outdoor lease game where it's just one of the hottest and, and tickets in town you're gonna close every possible deal you can think of
1: <laughs> it would it would certainly help I will if hey look if you have the business ties and the means to do it good on you because yeah
0: I think that's that's probably where they would look to to get the this the guaranteed seats. They'll probably just send an internal memo to Bay Street and try and get everybody to already agree and get like 5,000 tickets sold, pre-sold before the season even starts, and then try and sell some others uh, on the open market just for the, the other stragglers who have some money to throw around.
1: Yeah, That's for sure.
0: Yeah. Uh. Well... We were going to have a conversation. Okay, we'll quickly have this conversation. I just want to get your thoughts on it. Uh, I was listening to 31 Thoughts the other day. uh, Not too sure if you were listening, but Jeff Merrick had an idea where he thought that team revenue and and the revenue sharing scenario in the NHL uh, is is kind of off he believes, and and it should be based off of win percentage. And maybe it's not what he believes, but he was thinking of some different ways about how teams can make money. And this was one that he threw out there, a revenue-sharing system based on winning percentage, because he looked at it and said, it's unfair that a team like Detroit who doesn't put out a competitive product makes the same amount of money as a team like Tampa, who put out a, a great product where people loved watching them, it did good for the NHL, and they were, you know, a successful team that won. So he suggested that basically the team the, the revenue share should be split based on winning percentage. First thought from me was um that doesn't make sense. Like that's that's a rebuilding is is a real thing in the NHL, right? And if you are a team like Detroit, like they have absolutely no way that they could possibly get better unless they rebuild this team. It's just what they did by trying to extend their winning their uh, their playoff streak year after year after year. They trade away a lot of picks and now they're sitting here and they don't have many picks. And all the the stars from the uh, you know the '90s and the '2000s are now all gone, and they're stuck with middling players. Like they got a couple of good players, but not nearly enough. And if you are not giving them money, meanwhile, Detroit, um, uh, an original six team, makes a lot of money despite being a crappy team. How is, that, how is that fair? Well, first
1: off, I hate revenue sharing. That's my first thing about it because no team makes equal amount, like, contributes equally to the pot. Like, that's the first issue with revenue sharing. But, Yeah. To, to do any sort of sharing based off winning and all that, like the NHL would never go for it. No. Like absolutely no way. And I don't, I don't, I don't like the idea either because look, does Detroit need to make more or need to make like, you know, that who, who really decides that. Right. I mean, the NHL did this in a way to make sure that the poor teams aren't getting left out because they can't generate what like, a team like the Leafs, a team like the Rangers or the Canadians. Like we know those teams will always draw good revenues, whether they're good or whether they're bad. Right. Um, I think the biggest issue, as I said, with revenue sharing is that, look, you have a team like the Leafs and Rangers who have contributed, who make so much in terms of revenue, put out as, as much of it into that pot, but don't get the same return as a team like, you know, Arizona, Oh, I hate putting Arizona in there. Like I would say, even like the Islanders, although they're getting a little bit better, Florida, like teams that are not really
0: putting non-traditional markets like yeah. these non-traditional, non-traditional markets. Market. Yeah, they're not. Uh, they, they don't bring in as much money just based on the fact that. Uh, well, it, it makes sense, right? They're a non-traditional market, so they're not going to have as as hardcore rabbit as a fan base. Or a team like Toronto, like we are a a Leafs centric city. Like and all Canadian markets, you could say the same thing about. But, you know, you, you talk about this system where you, you only get money based on win percentage. Well, what about the year where the or where the, where the years where the Leafs just sucked? Like, they were awful for a solid decade, yet the highest grossing team in the NHL, and you're going to tell me that you're not going to give them their, their fair share of money just because the team wasn't winning games? How's exactly. that any fair?
1: Yeah, like, you, you can't punish teams, whether they try to be bad or just are bad, right? <laughs> like it, it's just—it's not like every team tries to be bad. Like I look at the Devils when they made all those moves; they tried to be good. It didn't work. It just—the Devils just
0: didn't put together a good enough team. Well, here's they, one. Right. Here's one for you. What about the San Jose Sharks? Yeah. Finished yeah. what third in the league? Third, third last. Yet one of the highest payrolls and you could tell that that team wanted to win. They've made moves for the past five years that point to them trying to win each and every year, and unfortunately, injuries occurred, players kind of fell off a cliff this past season, and they just couldn't win games. Their goaltending hasn't shown up the last couple of years, and they're just not winning games. It's not that they're not trying. The team, the... the, uh, Wow, well, what's the GM's name? Why can't I think of it? Doug, Doug Wilson. Doug Wilson is trying to put together a winning product. And the whole theory behind this, I think, is the fact that, you know, it's supposed to make teams put out a competitive product. They're trying. They really are trying to win. And they're spending a lot of money to try and do this. Like, they're right up against the cap. But unfortunately, the wins didn't come the way that it suggested it would on paper. And you're going to punish them for that? Like that's not their fault. That's not Doug Wilson's fault. That's not the owner's fault. The players just—it just didn't happen for them. Bad luck. Came at the wrong time. Like it just—it doesn't make a lot of sense to me.
1: It it doesn't make it like any 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 way to try to equate revenue sharing. Like it's either you're going to split it equally among the teams, you're not going to do it at all. That's that's I think how the NHL would would put it out. Like there's just no way that you can try to wait anything. Uh, Yeah, like the Sharks tried to be a good team. Uh, I'm trying to think of, I mean, there's so many teams that it just doesn't work. Even the Blackhawks, like when the Blackhawks aren't good, they're still paying X amount of dollars to Patrick Kane, to Jonathan Tate. Like they're putting in, like this is the other thing too. Like there are teams that are trying and then there's teams that aren't trying and we know which teams those are, right? There are teams that don't spend the money but expect the same revenue and there's teams that spend the money and they have to live with the fact that they're just not able to command. They can't go to the NHL and be like, Oh, we don't think uh, uh, these teams should get the same amount of revenue sharing. It is. It's what they agreed upon. And um, the only way that gets changed is if an owner, a couple of owners make it known that they're not happy with the current situation. And that, that would make for a very uh, very tricky, tricky uh, situation to to fix.
0: That would be extremely messy, and the only way that I think that that you'd be able to do that pretty much is if you eliminated the salary cap. Like that would yeah. be the only way to to be able to do that where you know however much you're willing to spend is pretty much going to be tied to how much you're making. So a team like Toronto, they can spend as much as they want because they're making a lot of money. Whereas a team like Florida, if they're not making anything and they're not even getting subsidized by, you know, the teams that are doing really well, well, they're not going to spend a lot of money on their on their product. You look at Ottawa, same thing. They, the, the salary cap, the minimum was what, like fifty seven million dollars, something like that this past year. And they only actually paid out like what was it, like forty one million because they had so many back-loaded contracts or uh, front-loaded contracts where they had had the, the deals on the back end like Anisimov where they were paying him only like $2 million, but the cap hit was four and a half like They had so many of those contracts.
1: And I think those contracts are ridiculous. And look, the Leafs have get advantage of contracts of guys who, you know, Oh, for in, sure. In, you know,
0: LTIR and and being able to place them on on injured reserve and, and allowing them to get loopholes through the salary cap in that way, definitely. And it's the only way that the richer teams are have been able to flex their financial muscles. And you know, I feel like there should be there should be another way for them to do that. Like I think in the NBA, you look at the soft cap system. Maybe that is something that the NHL could look into, where you if you want to pay more money and, and go into your, your luxury tax, you got to pay for it. And if you're willing to pay for it, good, do it. And then you can put out a better product. But if you're not willing to pay for it, then you're not going to get the great players is what it so, is, right? It's at the end of the day, it's still a business, even for these owners.
1: Yeah. Like you you can't tell me that the Leafs wouldn't want to pay into the luxury tax right now. You wouldn't oh. tell me that the Rangers... Like these are—they basically these are owners do. That already have already done it. They basically right? do with the LTIR contracts. And look, look at the signing bonuses they're giving out. Like Yeah. I the way the signing bonuses are done, I'm surprised that was never. I understand that, that owners have complained about it, but that—that is—that's become the biggest tool for a lot of these rich teams. And yeah. if a if a small market team is complaining about it. I don't know I don't know how what what uh Gary Batman can really do about it. It's it's written in the rules. They have to kind of make it work.
0: Yeah. So that that conversation ended up going sideways uh, a little differently <laughs> than where it started, but I thought yeah, that was, that was a good conversation. That just kind of came came up naturally and organically. Uh let us know your thoughts on that situation. How, how do you how are you a fan of overall like how the NHL is being run compared to other leagues like I look at the NBA and the way that that league is ran. It is so much better than the NHL. And you look at how much uh, movement and how much excitement is involved in the NBA on a weekly basis. We just saw a superstar for superstar trade last week, and that wasn't even the only one in the last, like, two weeks that we've seen like it, it happens on a weekly basis in the off season where massive player movement occurs like Westbrook for John Wall. Uh, uh, what was the last time we saw something like that happen in the NHL?
1: Oh my God. Something like that. Maybe like the Ban for Weber is like probably that would probably be my guess.
0: Yeah, that probably would be the last time that we've seen something like that. Yeah. Like, Maybe you could even argue, like, Seth Jones and Johansson. But even, like, Jones and Johansson, they weren't superstars at the time, like Wall and Westbrook. So I guess, yeah, Subban, Subban and Weber is the last time we've seen something like that. And this happens all the time in the NBA. The Raptors traded for Kawhi Leonard. When does a guy like Kawhi Leonard, a top five player in the NHL, become available? Never. No, ever. I think just it's it's based on how the league goes about their business, the the cap structure, and and, and just so much more goes into it. It's it's interesting. It's interesting. I don't know if things are going to change, um, but you know they're they're to the back to the drawing table right now too. We we didn't even get into this. I have to get into this on a later podcast, but we still don't even have a tr- a real agreement to get back to play in hockey this year and it again has to do with money
1: i don't think you'll need to worry about that being (laughs) i think you'll still have a lot of opportunities to talk about that based on how things are going right now.
0: oh yes and i am not looking forward to uh to having to go on on strike watch that is not something that i am looking to do uh we we gotta end this here though we're almost up to, to 40 minutes so we gotta we got a scoop, but Dave, thanks so much for uh, for joining me the to chat today. Thank you for having me, Mike. That's going to do us for us here today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you all for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Lockdown Leafs podcast on all podcasts and platforms and receive daily Leafs content. Follow myself on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show at Lockdown Leafs. Dave, where can they find you? You
1: can find me uh, on Twitter, d underscore more Studi, and you can go to my author page at sportsnet.ca.
0: So go check out his work. You got anything coming out?
1: Well, we're going to see when the NHL comes back. Uh, uh, I think, though, I mean, it's usually my thing, but uh, we'll be contributing to some World Juniors content. So that will be my bread and butter coming up soon.
0: Good stuff. So keep an eye out for that. If you want some more hockey talk, be sure to check out the Locked On NHL podcast Where myself and four other Locked On hosts discuss the latest around the NHL. I'll be back with another episode on Monday. TSN's Mark Masters will be joining me. We'll have some hot Leafs talk and also discuss what's going on with the World Juniors, both Leafs prospects and Canadian prospects. And I'll get his thoughts on uh, Lafreniere not being loaned out as well, so make sure you, uh, you subscribe so that that podcast comes downloaded directly to your phone Monday morning. Uh, but until then, have a great weekend, folks. Keep it locked right here on Locked on Leafs.